You're listening to Half Stack Highlights, a blogcast dedicated to showcasing the latest in indie talent, business, and creative opportunities for the dreamer in you. We bring you intimate conversations with up-and-comers, entrepreneurs, and fellow dreamers alike, and we're based right here in Chicago. In today's episode, our editor-in-chief, Jen Lazan, interviews Chicago blogger and creative entrepreneur Jessica Murnam of OnePartPlant.com and SoHowIsYourDay.com. She's a blogger on a social mission to educate our communities on how food can change our lives. Jessica's story showcases how it's okay to change directions in our career and still be able to see success. That the life of this self-employed isn't as perfect as it seems on social media, but that is the beauty of it all. And that if you're passionate about what you do, you can really make a difference. Thank you, Jessica. I really appreciate the, the time that you are taking with half staff today to kind of, you know, give us some insight to your world and to Yeah, of course I'm excited. <laughs> and to your blog and all the great things that you're doing. Um listeners, we are here today with um the founder and the power woman behind onepartplant.com, Jessica Mernan. First off, I would love for you to tell us more about yourself and your background maybe a bit about your career journey and basically just how you got to where you are now with OnePartPlant.com. Yeah, sure. So I have been a graphic designer for about 10 years, and I just uh, I love graphic design, and it's definitely been something that I think that I was good at, but I don't know that I necessarily had passion for it anymore. So mm-hmm. last year... I just had this moment where I thought I need to change careers. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I just need to change careers. So I started looking online, and I was thinking, like, maybe I'll join the Peace Corps. Like, maybe – like, I had no idea what I was going to do. But I don't know. I just knew that I wanted to help people in some way, but I didn't know how to do that. And so I just really, really started thinking about what am I passionate about? Like not not necessarily what can I make money at, but what am I actually passionate about? And the thing that I just kept on coming back to is how food, specifically a plant-based diet, completely changed my life. And I was thinking, what if I could do that? But that sounded like completely, it, it would be like it's, you know, you decided tomorrow that you wanted to be an NBA player. Like, it was very, like, a (laughs) weird thing for me to say that I wanted to do. But I just kept on thinking about it more, and I did. I started doing a little research, and I found that there was a plant-based nutrition certification that I could take. And and then I, I just really started to think, you know, how could this be different than everything else that's out there because there's definitely a lot of plant-based websites and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of books and recipes. And I thought that maybe the way that I can make it different is by incorporating the world that I'm already in into plant-based eating. So I've mm-hmm. done a lot of work with restaurants and I have a lot of friends that are chefs and none of them really cook plant-based and none of their restaurants offer plant-based options so I could never really eat at them. 
So I thought, what if I could get them to start making plant-based food and create an online resource for those restaurants that are willing to partner with me on this? And it was crazy because they all said yes without a lot of or any convincing. So I knew that when they all agreed to it, because I didn't have a site yet, I didn't have anything going, but when they said yes, I thought, okay, this like, this has something to it. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. And so basically it's almost as if the premise behind One Park Plant is bringing this lifestyle that has changed your life um, and, and basically giving access to it to a much more broader, I guess, audience. Because so many people yeah, don't realize yeah. how your diet can really affect and people, a lot of people will choose out of convenience. I would rather go out to eat than make something tonight. Um, but when they go out to eat, they're not making the best decisions in terms of, you know, dietary nutrition and, and the foods that they're putting in their mouth. How has that affected you? How has it changed your life? And then ultimately I want to know how are you hoping to change others' lives with it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's changed in a very dramatic way and if you would have met me four years ago this would be a very different conversation because I was very very sick and I have something called endometriosis which a lot of women have but is not diagnosed uh, at all I wasn't diagnosed with it until I was in my late 20s but it was something that I had had you know since I started having my period basically yeah, <laughs> when I was 16. Yeah. So um, it, it is an extremely painful condition and I had a couple of different surgeries and I had pain medication and, you know, by doing all of this, my doctor, like nothing was getting better. It wasn't getting better at all. I had stage four endometriosis and it was actually, you know, spreading to different parts of my body. So my doctor told me that I had to get a hysterectomy or I could uh-huh. do hormone drug therapy. And I was in my yeah. early 30s and just the thought of getting a hysterectomy is so terrifying, you know, Absolutely. not just because you can't have kids anymore, but just the thought of having that much of you removed mm, is yeah, just, that's crazy. you know, really scary. So so I, but, you know, the thing is, is I just was in so much pain and it was really affecting my work and my relationships that I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to get the surgery because I just don't want to be in pain anymore. And yeah. so it was, that was the summer that we decided to do the hysterectomy and I was going to do it in the winter. But then a friend of mine, she had known about what was going on with me and, and she sent me this very sort of outdated website that that just talked about how a plant-based diet could help endometriosis pain. And when I saw it, you know, I think I gave it a little bit of thought because she was so sweet enough to send it to me. But Mm -hmm. when I saw it, I was thinking, well, how come none of my doctors have told me about this? There's no information on all of the endometriosis boards and websites and everything that I look at every day to try to find some sort of help. Like, no one's talking about this. But I also, you know, really had nothing to lose. So I decided to try 
the diet that they outlined on the website, which mm-hmm. was a really heavily focused plant-based diet. So it was, you know, basically just eating nuts, grains, vegetables, fruits, seeds, legumes, and, and omitting anything that was an inflammatory to the body. And I'm telling you that within a few weeks, I noticed a difference and I just kept doing it and kept doing it. And then I didn't have to end up getting the hysterectomy. Wow. And now I'm not in pain anymore. I don't take any medicine. I mean, it's, I just, I'm like, I'm still surprised every morning that I wake up that I feel this good. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. That's, but amazing. And it's all about, educating yourself. Not enough people understand that. We take everything that we see for face value and we don't dig deep enough to see if there are alternative options. I mean, you, you're totally there. And obviously this is by a professional and, you know, you have, you have these two options. What are you to do? You're, you're young. You still have your life ahead of you, you know, and it's as if you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And where do you go from there? Yeah, and I think the thing is, though, is that I was, I thought I was digging pretty deep, you know, in into looking into alternative ideas. You know, I found one doctor told me I should start doing acupuncture and another said yoga. And, you know, it's, it's just strange to me that no one ever mentioned food. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. now, you know, fast forward four years, I think a lot more people are talking about it, but if you still go to the Mayo Clinic website and you go to even the Endometriosis Foundation's website, they list surgery and medication as the treatments for endometriosis. They don't mention anything about food. Wow. So that brings me to my next question then. So when it comes to this plant-based dietary lifestyle, do you still, and it, it seems from, from your comment right now, um, do you still see a lack of, uh, I don't know if you'll call it interest um, or you know, knowledge or education in terms of not just the food industry but also uh, the health industry? Um, do you still see a lack of knowledge and understanding within that? And if so, are you trying to change this with your website and what you're doing? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny. Today I actually received a comment on my website. I was just diagnosed with something called Hashimoto's disease, which is a is a thyroid disease, mm-hmm. and which is sort of like kind of annoying that I have two things now. But um, I, I wrote a post about it and, and about how I'm, you know, managing it with food and one thing with a thyroid condition is, is that gluten should be a non-negotiable. There's a lot of research that's been done that there's there's a there's a huge connection between gluten intolerance and thyroid problems. And mm-hmm. so I had already taken out gluten, so it wasn't a problem for me. But I got a comment on my website that someone posted, you know, ever since I read your post, I've taken out gluten. I feel much better. And I told my doctor about it. And he said that he had never heard of that before. And it's and it was shocking to me because if you Google gluten thyroid, I mean you'll get thousands of pages of results. And so wow. Wow. it it just like 
baffled me that her doctor had never heard of that. But he's also not a nutritionist, and maybe her doctor is 60 years old and, and nutrition was not part of his studies at all, you know. So yeah. it's, I don't know what it's going to take for doctors to start realizing this. I mean, maybe it is going to take patients coming back to them and saying, hey, I found this or, you know, I tried this and it worked. When I went back to my doctors and told them about how, you know, I am not in pain anymore and they were really surprised, first of all, and secondly, a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. And so I changed doctors, you know. Wow. I think it's about finding a doctor that has a good balance between, you know, traditional medicine but also open to alternative treatments. Absolutely. So as you continue on with your career, this journey, have you faced any obstacles that have really left a huge impression on you? And if so, how did you overcome them? I think obstacle-wise, I mean... I guess I I guess because I've had a business for so long being a designer and you know having a retail line I guess when I get told no for some reason it doesn't really bother me mm-hmm. <laughs> so um I think that that takes a long time to create that thick skin mm-hmm. you know I was just working with my little brother actually because he's applying for internships and he was terrified to send emails because he was afraid that people were going to say no. And it's like I get told no probably three times a day. A but day, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then like the yes that happened is so awesome that yeah, I don't care about the no. So I think in terms of obstacles, I think it's just, you know, some people maybe not being open to this quite yet, but... I definitely try to present it in a way that is, you know, when you're ready, come back. I I really make it a point to not should anybody with this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to tell them that they should do it. It's just that I just want to present the information, and if they want to try it, it's there. Yeah. And that's a big big thing, too. I feel so many people can, you know, as as they view websites, um, or start to research this type of thing, this gluten-free lifestyle, paleo lifestyle, you know, a vegan lifestyle, plant-based lifestyle. Each of these opportunities to learn and to grow is very important, but if they're not having the information shoved down their throat or if they're not being, you know, judged in a way like, oh, my gosh, you eat meat, you're a terrible person, you're going to right. die. <laughs> if you can present it in a way that is, you know, open and and honest and kind, I think that makes such a huge difference in terms of the way people are going to approach you and be so much more willing to work with you and want to learn about it. Uh, so I, I give you kudos for that. That's that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, and I and I think I think it's remembering where you started. You know, I see so many websites and there's you know these women that have beautiful glowing skin and they're holding a green juice and it's like you know, you think that their life is perfect, but they never talk about maybe the first time they tried a green juice and they wanted to gag, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I think that, like, you need to remember where you came from. Like, this wasn't – it wasn't easy for me to take out sugar and dairy. That was really mm-hmm. hard. It took me probably about a year 
to not care about it anymore. So yeah. I really try to be honest about my journey because it it wasn't easy to get here, you know, and it took a little bit of work to do it. Yeah, or a lot of bit of work, really, if you think about it. A lot it, of it. Feel... <laughs> yeah, don't don't undermine your abilities and, and the strength that you needed for that because I just, I feel that so many people, they when we look online, it's, we, we put up this facade almost of, oh, this is the brand, this is what we're doing, and that's essentially what, what people like you who have careers such as yours, you're an online web-based brand, and you have, you know, this brand to showcase and sometimes people forget about the authenticity and you know they don't show the the real journey behind it and the fact that you can do that um, I have a feeling that that's going to help you so much more in the long run because people can see that you're legit you're for real and you're going to say hey it's not easy and it was damn hard and there were days that I wanted to cry and days that I hated what I was doing (laughs) but I kept going and I didn't give up and I think that's that's so important. Um, I also know that um, I follow I follow a lot of your websites. No, I'm not a stalker. I promise. I just think it's awesome to talk no, with okay. women. I, <laughs> I stalk a lot of people. I, I'm a massive Googler. If, if I meet someone, I'm like, okay, let me Google this. <laughs> yes. But I also know you're the founder of SoHowWasYourDay.com. Um, and I think it's such fun really cool, kind of like if I was a fly-on-the-wall type concept um, to introducing these really interesting people. Can you tell us more about the site and why you decided yeah, to launch sure. it? Well, I, I decided to launch that site because, and I don't know, you know, if you see the site, there's no ads, there's no mm-hmm. information. It's just basically really focused on a person. And, you know, I would say probably before that year, last year when I decided I wanted to change my career and actually did it for real, I had that moment probably at least 10 times before that and didn't take any action. But Mm -hmm. the thing that, you know, one time I sort of had like a little bit of a a meltdown (laughs) around my dad crying about, what am I doing? What's my thing? And he got out this huge piece of brown paper. It was like a, you know, like a craft piece butcher of paper. Butcher paper, yeah. But, yeah, butcher paper. And he said, okay, so write down all of the jobs that you think that you would want to have. And then I want you to write down anybody that has that job or might be someone that you know that knows that has that job. So I made this huge sheet of paper. It was like this, you know, crazy-looking, like mathematician-looking sheet. And I just started digging in, and I started, okay, well, I I would love to be a magazine editor. So I met with a magazine editor, and she told me Mm -hmm. about her day. And after I met with her, I thought, I don't really know that I want to be a magazine editor. And so I met with all of these people, and it just, I don't know, there was something that gave me a lot of clarity about seeing what someone's real day is like. And I think similar to what you were saying, you know, before about how we sort of glamorize or make everything look perfect online. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to sort of, you know, I know so many cool people doing so many cool things, but I wanted to show a reality of their day and not just, 
you know, and then I went to lunch and, you know, it's like maybe Mm -hmm. they had a mayonnaise sandwich for lunch. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a beauty in that. So, you know, that's the website is just featuring people that I think are doing innovative things. And, And I also on that site, something that's important to me is I don't just feature people that have huge social followings. I mean, some mm-hmm. people on there don't even have a website or a Facebook mm-hmm. page. or and, and I think that's something else is I think a lot of times the only people that are featured on sites are ones that have huge followings yeah. because obviously yep. the site that's featuring them needs to the get traffic. more hits to their site. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just, I mean, a lot of people that I know that are making the biggest impact in the world they don't have time to have a Twitter account because they're yeah. doing stuff. <laughs> yep. So, um, so anyway, so I think that that's really important to me on this site is featuring really cool, inspiring people, no matter you know what their social platform is. So, as a young woman with multiple projects uh, that you're running, how do you how do you manage it on still maintain such a positive outlook and a drive to keep doing and keep you know working on great things? Uh, well, it's interesting that you mentioned positive outlook because last night I was I do this thing when I feel stressed out I lay on the floor and I think I think I lay on the floor because it's sort of the lowest point that you can be, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, you just, you're laying there, you can't, you know, you're not sitting, you're not standing, you're just laying, so you have to just sort of lay and think, but I was Mm -hmm. laying on the floor, and I wasn't crying, but I was telling my husband, why can't I accomplish more in a day, like, what is wrong (laughs) with me? We sound like we had a similar week, (laughs) and it, and it's just, uh, he said, you know, he always has great things to say, but he said it's because you try to accomplish too many things in a day. Like if you if you were just to maybe say, okay, well, I'm going to accomplish these three things, and then you would do it, and then you would feel great, but you try to do 20 things, and <laughs> no one may be yeah. able to do 20 things. So I definitely try to remain positive, but I think that, I don't. I think it's weird when people call themselves artists for some reason. But I guess as an artist, because I have mm-hmm. a designer background, mm-hmm. I don't know that you're ever happy or positive about your work. Uh, I think that you always just want to try to do more and do better, and I think that's what yeah. makes you a good creator. So there's this really awesome book that I just read that I have bought for probably 20 people, and it's called Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. And it's just little short paragraphs about all of the best writers and thinkers and doers and painters throughout mm-hmm. the history. Like, you know, there's Picasso and there's uh, Agatha Christie, like all of these people, and what their daily ritual was like. And most of them were really messed up people that, drank a lot and did drugs and that was the only way that they were able to create during the day uh so if if anyone else out there has that sort of feeling of you know what's my process and why is my process weird 
there's a mm-hmm. lot of weird processes out there, and most of them are from very successful people. That's awesome. And it just, it, again, it solidifies that reality isn't perfect and it isn't pretty. Um, but if you, you know, if you have a dream and you have a passion and you keep going for it, that it totally will make it worth it. I I do the same thing. I'm, I, that's just so funny that you say that because I was just having that, that moment on Friday and I'm a mom too. I have two little girls and I'm just like, oh, wow. I can't be the perfect mom. I can't be a perfect business owner. I need to figure out my life. Why isn't everything happening faster? So I, I absolutely, I feel you and I know, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> but I think for you, and I try to do this sometimes, but if you were to look back, let's say, I don't know how old you are, but you fought your five year old self, looking back mm-hmm. five years, you would probably be pinching yourself to know I have an online magazine, yeah. I'm interviewing people. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I think yeah. that we need to remember how freaking yeah. awesome we are, but it's hard to do that when you're trying to do a lot. Yep, yep, and appreciate it. That's so cool that you saw that on Instagram because I just, I just feel so excited about this documentary and I not just because I'm in it but just because I am completely obsessed with food movies I've probably watched Forks Over Knives and Hungry for Change and Food Matters and I don't like watching movies more than once and I've probably watched all of those three or four times just because they just I've probably cried every time I've watched them too because just seeing the way that food can make that big of a change in people's lives it really makes me emotional and so when I got contacted by the the filmmaker and director you know I had just started Bloom Park Plant it was last summer and he had seen me in CS magazine if you're not from Chicago it's just like a local luxury magazine and he said you know I'm making a food documentary and I Googled him, and nothing really came up about his work except for mm-hmm. that he had done some work with Rahm Emanuel and Obama. So it's like, I mean, he can't be a complete crazy person if he worked <laughs> with them. And then he said that he, you know, would be bringing a makeup person with him. I'm like, oh, okay, well, then this is even more legit because I've done a lot of TV and print stuff and they certainly did not provide a makeup person so I don't know I just I didn't know what this movie I knew that it was going to be about good food and how it can change people's lives but I'm telling you I filmed it and I didn't know the how big and how powerful this movie was going to look and I had no idea that Dr. McDougal who is actually one of my Dr. Heroes was going to be in it. I had no mm-hmm. idea that Joe Cross, the guy from Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, was going to be in it. Yeah. So when I saw the trailer, I seriously lost it because, A, I love food movies, and, B, I'm in a movie with Dr. McDougal, <laughs> which was sort of I, – I was. my husband said, you know, when you think about your dreams, I don't even know that that dream was on your radar. And I was like, no, it wasn't. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I trusted him 
but I'd never seen, I ne- had never seen any of his work, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just was like, I really will do anything when it comes to sharing my story about how food changed my life, because I hope that it can help other people. Mm-hmm. So to see what a beautiful trailer he made was just like, I just, I couldn't even believe how awesome it was. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he's funded it all himself so far. Wow. And so he, and if you watch it, I mean, he definitely put a lot into it. A lot it. of effort, yeah. Yeah, and just traveling to do all the interviews. And so he actually has an Indiegogo campaign right now to help fund the rest. And I mean, $25 will help. And it's so weird because and I'm not dissing Kickstarter or Indiegogo mm-hmm. or anything when people do that, but I get a million requests for that stuff. Like, yeah. can you donate to my Kickstarter? And I'm always like, oh, God, like another thing. And I always <laughs> I always do something. So I, I'm hoping that people will just donate a little something. And I understand that a lot of people get asked to donate things, but I really think that this movie is going to have a big impact on people's lives. Yeah, I totally agree. And like I said, I, I reached out and I saw the trailer and I was just like, wow. And I think that I'm hoping, you know, once we get to see a, a full final piece, that um, there's some education in terms of community. I feel that um, films like that, documentaries like that, they're designed to kind of bring awareness so that the public can make better decisions uh, about their yeah. health. Um, again, because like I said, we tend to take things at big value sometimes we don't necessarily dig any deeper. Um, are there any like small, even tiny steps that you can suggest to our listeners on ways that they can begin to make better decisions in their daily food intake? Yeah, I, I think that the first thing that you can do is is just to start reading labels. And even if you're not ready to make the change, I think that just starting to look at what you're eating is a good first step because I just I don't buy anything unless I flip it over and look at the label because even if something says that it's natural, flip over the label and it's most likely probably not actually natural. So I think, you know, deciding maybe, okay, well, this week, if I look at a label and it has added soy protein in it or some sort Mm -hmm. of weird soy, then you know what? I'm not going to buy it. Or Mm -hmm. if I flip over that label on the spaghetti sauce and it has added sugar, I'm not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So it's just little, little tiny things that I think you can do. And when I work with my clients, I mean, that's, like 15 minutes of what we learn is how to read labels because that's the first step. You know, if you're not ready to ditch dairy, fine. But maybe start buying things with less sugar. Yeah. And those, those little steps make it, make it, it's leaves and bounds. It makes a huge difference. It's, It's so funny that you even bring up that, that idea of reading labels. We don't, we don't do that very often. I myself really never did it until my second daughter was born. Sophia, she's got food allergies, she's got peanut allergy, uh, allergy and soy allergies. 
and it wasn't until I realized that, oh, my God, if my kid eats this, you know, this, and it has something like this in it, she could die, that it kind of clicked in my head that, hey, well, why wasn't I thinking about that? Right. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think that's just one little thing that makes a huge difference. Um, I personally, uh, I just started gardening. Um, like I said, I had two oh, little girls. Awesome. And I'm realizing that if I want them to be healthy and I want to break that unhealthy lifestyle cycle that I grew up in, because I'm Hispanic, I'm Puerto Rican and Mexican, and um, <laughs> we have high, we have high epidemics of, uh, you know, of diabetes and things like that within our family and within our culture. And it's not necessarily that it, it travels with us, I feel like, in genetics, because if you, you compare the family that we have on the island versus the family that's here in the States, the family on the island, they're healthier because we're surrounded by, you know, gardens and farmers and we have farmland. But in in the States, it's all that processed food that we'll be, you know, we became susceptible to. Um, but I'm realizing that if I want to break that cycle, that I needed to make a point to start reconnecting with nature. And um, I grew up in Chicago. I had, we had, like, We've always lived in apartments. I never had a house. We didn't. I grew up really poor, um, so the idea of gardening and getting dirty and putting my hands in the earth is totally, absolutely foreign to me. And we just bought our house right. last year. Yeah, so like me and my husband Dwight were talking about, like, okay, well, you know, what can we do to make healthier decisions and maybe even to help us in terms financially. You know, if we're growing a garden with vegetables and that, we don't have to go out to Whole Foods or, you know, to Jewel and, and you know, spend so much money on produce if we can have it right at home. Um, but, like I said, it's like I have a backyard now, so I'm able to do that. But a lot of our listeners, they live in Chicago. They may have a really similar background to mine. Um, and... You know, they may not have the know-how or the understanding. I always joke that I have this black thumb, but like I said, I'm lucky to be able to try <laughs> this for the first time. So do you have any tips or suggestions or options for people who may be living in this urban community who may not have access to a yard and be able to build their own garden all by themselves? Well, that's me, too. (laughs) I'm speaking to myself now because I live in a city and I cannot even grow a house plant properly. And every single time I get a plant, it dies. So (laughs) I think, you know, and I think that's the other thing that people need to realize and what what I've tried to do with One Part Plant is I like things to be easy, and if they're yeah. not going to be easy for me, I'm probably not going to do it. Yeah. So I I would love the idea of having a garden, but I'm probably not going to, at least for uh, many, many years. <laughs> so uh, I think that, you know, I think people definitely assume that a plant-based diet has to be really expensive, mm-hmm. or it is expensive. And, yes, they do sell $30 bottles of tahini, and I, I haven't bought <laughs> yeah. one of those before, you know, but what you can do is is you can buy, you know, the, the 3 or $4 tahini, or maybe you can make your own tahini using sesame seeds, and, you know, I definitely think that 
there are definitely a lot of expensive plant-based snacks mm-hmm. and goodies out there, but you can say the same thing for non-plant eating desserts oh, and yeah. snacks and packaged foods. So, you know, a bag of lentils is a lot less expensive than a pound of grass-fed organic meat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not comparing meat versus, you know, lentils is one mm-hmm. better than the other, but it just shows that you can really eat plant-based for not a crazy amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of tips to do that, I think it's just focusing on not buying the pre-packaged foods. I mean, do yeah. you need a bag of $6 kale chips? I mean, yes, they're delicious, <laughs> but you could also <laughs> buy kale for and make them your you know, own. $2 yeah. and make them yourself. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think it's just about applying your principles to your meat-eating diet yeah. to a plant-based diet. Absolutely, absolutely. So my my last couple questions, one's a little deep, yeah. and then the last is going to be, you know, where can we find more information about you? But sure. this I like one deep. question, <laughs> this one question that I wanted to talk about was um, our community. Uh, this month's editorial directions for Halfback on our blog is all about community. Um, I wanted to hear your thoughts on how communities can come together to make change um, in the good nutrient-based whole foods that are available to them. I mean, we hear about this idea of food deserts in Chicago. And for the listeners who don't know what that is, it's like a geographic area where affordable or nutritious food is really difficult to find, um, specifically for people without a car. Um, I've seen this, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners and readers um, have seen this, especially in low-income areas in in the city, where the closest grocery store might be miles away, but like a fast food place is literally within walking distance. I just want to hear what your thoughts are on how the community can band together to make sure that they get those healthy foods that they deserve. I mean, this is something that, it's something that, again, I get emotional about, but mm-hmm. I guess it's because sometimes I'm not exactly sure what the best solution is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think that we can talk a lot. There's a lot of great programs that are bringing food trucks or bringing in food stands to communities that are food deserts, and I mm-hmm. think that's awesome, but if if your palate is, I guess, if your palate loves $1 cheeseburgers at McDonald's, which used to be my palate, mm-hmm. are you going to want to go for an apple that's mm-hmm. the same price? Like, I don't know. Like, it, I think that, I think that bringing in that food is incredible, but I also think it's about making food options available mm-hmm. that are really, really good and really delicious, and it's about presenting those, too, and not just saying, well, here's a banana. Have the banana instead of getting French fries. Well, obviously, Mm -hmm. French fries are more delicious, so Mm -hmm. that's probably what someone's going to choose, and, you know, it takes a long time for, not a long time, but it definitely takes some time for your palate to change. I mean, like I said, the first time I had a green drink, I thought it tasted Mm -hmm. absolutely disgusting. 
And so <laughs> I really wasn't open to that. But as I yeah. changed my diet and my palate changed and the mucus on my tongue, some of it was removed and it, I was more open to it. So in terms of, you know, banding together with community and, and helping people change their food options, I think it really comes down to presenting food options that are similar to ones that people recognize as being good and mm-hmm. not just forcing new vegetables that they're not used to into their diet. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I feel like that's kind of what you're doing with some of the restaurants that you're working with, right? You're trying to bring in this this new way of thinking, but presenting it in such a, a, a great tasting way. Yeah, and, and definitely, I mean, sometimes it it makes me a little bit bummed out, and it's definitely something that I'm personally working on, that a lot of the restaurants that I have on board are definitely a little bit more high-end. And I guess in some ways I did that strategically because I wanted the most innovative chefs to start with this program, and then I was mm-hmm. hoping... I'm hoping that it trickles down into less expensive restaurants too because I think sometimes you need to see top chefs doing it before other chefs will recognize that it's cool to do. Absolutely. So, you know, like Honey Butter Fried Chicken, I just is a new partner and they definitely, their price point is a lot better than some of the other ones I have and that's my new mission is try to get better price point restaurants in there too. And then also, you know, there's restaurants. Uh, there's a restaurant on the on the south side of Chicago called Vegetarian. I think it's Vegetarian East, mm-hmm. and it's a completely vegan restaurant on the south side of Chicago that's been there for about 20 years, wow. which is absolutely crazy because yeah, they were trying to start this movement way before it became cool to eat healthy, and wow. I don't think a lot of people know that that restaurant is there because I don't think a lot of people in at least the city might travel to the south side to go find a vegan restaurant. Yeah. But it's there and it's incredible and it's always busy. They have a juice bar and they're really trying to get healthy food out there. And I think that is the perfect example of trying to help people change their diet in a way that they're excited about. That's awesome. Okay, so finally, where can we learn more about you and your crusade? Um, okay. Your chance to yeah. plug. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you can definitely go to onepartplant.com, and I'm revamping my site right now. So in, in about a month, it's going to look different, which I'm excited about. And you can sign up for my newsletters that are on the site, and I know newsletter sounds kind of dated and not that cool, but I send out a recipe once a week. That's all that you get from me. You don't get any sort of other emails. But I send out a recipe once a week because I think that when you start eating a plant-based diet, that's the thing that is the hardest is thinking, what am I going to eat every day? And all of the recipes on my site are easy. Like I said, it's not easy. I generally don't want to do it so you know most of the recipes have five or six ingredients nothing crazy that you have to go to some exotic store to get 
uh, yeah, so onepartplant.com is where you can find that. And then there's also sohowisyourday.com too where you can check out inspiring people and learn about them there. And then also foodchoicesmovie.com is where you can check out the trailer for the documentary. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jessica. I appreciate thank you, you taking so this awesome time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Half Stack Highlights. Thank you, Jessica, for the wonderful tidbits of information and ways to start making healthier decisions. If you listeners are interested in Jessica's services, please visit onepartplant.com for more information. Finally, please feel free to rate our podcast and leave a comment on iTunes. Your comments and feedback will help us to grow as we develop this new outlet and will allow the podcast, the people, and the creative showcase to be exposed to an even bigger audience. Thanks for your support.